Ron Ananian. How do you get behind a product that um, there's no parts for it? It just doesn't make any sense. Rolling down the road at eight miles a gallon. The car doctor. You're telling me, brother, that you brought you brought your truck to three shops. Yeah. They can all hear a problem. Yeah. And all three of them are saying they can't fix it. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. How do you know that used car you're looking at or maybe that Uber you're riding in is actually safe? Ron and Andy and the car doctor, welcome aboard and uh, stand, stand by. We've got a great couple hours of automotive talk for you today. I, you know, I noticed it this week in the shop. I was thinking about it. It doesn't happen often, but once in a while, I'll let somebody bring us tires and we'll mount their tires. Tires are sort of this, they're not, they're not a part in my mind in the sense of liability. It's, it's a tire. It's a, it's, it's, there's, there's tire manufacturers, there's tire companies. It's easier to go sue the tire company than it is to find the guy that made the water pump in China that they're trying to get you to install. So it's a little bit of a softer liability factor. So, Will brought us two tires this week to put on his Honda Accord, and um, you know Will's a, a, a an infrequent customer. There's no other way to say it. We see him once, you know, every 12, 14, 18 months. I'm not sure why. Um, the car just seems to pile up mileage. But he's an Uber driver. He's he's um, uh, you know, and he's he's driving this 160 now 165,000 mile 2010 Honda Accord. And he likes to try and do his own repairs, save a few bucks. And I get it. Everybody's out to save a buck. There's nothing wrong with that. But he brought us a pair of tires today. Solar, this week. Solar, Sohar, um, some cockamamie name that you just don't recognize. And I, I had to go through it with him. And, and, you know, he had gotten them online. It was, a, it was a, from one of the major tire uh, online purchasers. So that made me feel good because at least if there's a failure, we can go back and sue the tire retailer. It's not like they came direct from China. But, you know, made in China, right on the side, no name brand. And they rode terrible. They rode absolutely terrible. I, I think you would have been better off riding around with steel wheels and just no rubber on the road. It was just that bad of a tire. And this is on dry road. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like on, 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 on a wet road. But, you know, maybe I'm looking for too much. I don't know. But my point becomes, there's a lot of people like Will out there that are picking their own brands of parts and tires and, you know, oh, this looks good and, and, and we'll try this and it says new and it's online. Online makes it good, right? The internet can solve everything. I'm waiting for the internet to bring us world peace, a cure for cancer and time travel. It, it, and then all our problems are over. Um, you know... And then I thought about the fact that he's an Uber driver. And I get it that he's trying to maintain his car for Uberville. But the, the, the sad part is he really needed four tires. It wasn't just two. And I imagine, like some people, Will has that mindset of, let me just put two tires on it. I'll burn them up. It won't really matter. Um, round black holds air. Who cares? And the back two tires were, you know, they, they weren't the slicks that the fronts were. Which, I mean, the tire, the front tires were probably bad three months ago, and he's just getting around to changing them now. So, you know, how much further is he going to push the rears? 
And I'm thinking, somebody's going to get in this car as an Uber driver or as an Uber rider and say, you know, take me wherever and, and, and assume it's safe. And it made me think in my mind, you know, I think Uber needs to come up with a certification program. And I looked on their website, and I didn't see anything listed. I think Uber needs to certify their cars or mechanically sound. Because who regulates that? And I was thinking about this. You know, don't laugh if you're from New York City and you're listening to the show, but at least a New York City taxi cab kind of has to meet certain standards, right? It's, 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 it's got to it's gotta be yellow. Um, it's it's got to have that obligatory dent in the fender. Uh, you know, that sort of makes it a New York City taxi. It's got to have the grill kind of duct taped in. But mechanically, yeah, I mean, it's got 300,000 miles on it. I've been in a few taxis that I wondered if I was going to get out of in one piece. But you, you got to feel like you hope somebody's working on it. It occurred to me, Uber is counting on the driver, counting on the mechanic working on it. But what if the mechanic working on it, like we all know there's bad mechanics, what if he's an idiot? And now he's maintaining this Uber vehicle. And how safe is that Uber? And then he goes to sell that Uber vehicle, and you go to buy it, and you look at it as the consumer, and you say, well, the tires are round black, they hold air, it stops, it starts, it moves. It makes the case for having a mechanic look at it that much more, more important, and that, that much of a stronger argument that the Internet has empowered people with more information but not necessarily the right information. And their 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 skill set and their level of knowledge just it's not there. Don't don't count on the internet to solve all your problems. Information, but question that information too. Hello and welcome, Ron and the car doctor here at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's uh, without any further ado, let's kick the garage doors open and let's go to uh, let's go to Pete in Minnesota with an eleven key. Pete, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Big yes, fan. Sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have a 2011 uh, Kia Sorento uh, V6 3.5 liter. And uh, about a week ago, I started her up, started her up and uh, engine light came on. It started uh, shaking a little bit. Not okay. bad, but a little bit. Idling kind of rough. This sounds like that, so, this, this sounds like that scene from Airplane. She's starting to shake. Uh, you're right. She, exactly. She's, start, she's starting to shimmy. Um, yep. You know. That's exactly what it was happening. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and go ahead. Yeah. So I uh, took it right over there to O'Reilly's and had them scan it. And uh, um, I got a, a P two one eight seven running lean in bank one. Okay. And um, but then the curious thing for me is. Um, it's leaving black soot out the tailpipe, which would mean it's running rich. Is that right? Well, so, soot out the tailpipe. It's a, it's right. So it could be a lean condition, trying to trying to be overcome with a, a rich command. Um, okay. So you know, regardless, have you looked at fuel trim? Do you have the ability to do scan data? And and no, I have not done that. Okay. So basically, I just uh, that's all I've done so far. Other than out of paranoia, I. Went out and got one of those uh, head gasket leak tests with you know with the tube and yeah, right. You put it yeah, and that came back fine. So other than that, that's all I've done okay. so far. So let me let me say it like this: um, How old are you, Pete? Uh, Thirty-eight. Okay. So when you turn sixty, you're going to go get that physical, right? You're probably going to get you know the 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 the, the finger and the and the look see and you know <laughs> right? the whole nine yep. yards, right? But yep. you're not going to do that now. 
So don't do the head gasket test now, not yet. You're jumping the gun, all right, because okay. you're not 60 yet. Um, as, right. as, as, as the third Marine said as they were going over the side of the ship at Ewo, let's wait till we get there to see if we're going to die, all right? So, um, okay, and I, yeah. And, and, and I kind of know that from uh, someone who was there. He was, he was third Marines at Ewo, and, it was, uh, and that, he was a tough old son of a gun. He told me the whole oh, story, wow. but, yeah, it was, whew, he was third wave. Um, so let's go through basics. Do you have a scan tool? Do you have the ability to read data stream? No, I don't. Okay. So on the Christmas list this year, we've got to get a scan tool. And the, yes, sir. the idea the idea here is that you're you're you know it's seeing lean fuel a lean fuel condition um, uh, at and on bank one all right right and yep. not to say that we want to just focus on bank one and here's where not having a scan tool hurts us a lean fuel condition by definition let's let's start the conversation here zero percent is a balanced fuel mixture okay. It, okay. it's, the, it's the correct amount of air to the correct amount of fuel. Agreed? Right. If the system, you know, the system has to have the ability to vary and adjust a little bit. So Pete's driving down the road. He's going down to the local 7-Eleven, you know, to get a hot dog and a soda, a big Slurpee. And, you know, while he's driving along, maybe the fuel trim changes a little bit. It adds a little bit of fuel. It takes away a little bit of fuel. It's, 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 it's got some tuning capability without falling out the parameter or the limit of what's bad. So you might see plus or minus 8% either way. All right. Uh, just okay. like just like in high school when they taught us geometry and we we they had that numbered timeline that had zero and plus numbers and negative numbers and we all said what what's this what's this you know numbered line going to teach us it teaches us fuel trim thirty years later so you know plus or minus eight percent plus or minus ten percent that's good when the right, when, when the trim number hits. You can hear I got Lucy in studio with me today. She's scratching. Um, I, you know I can't get all these answers myself. I got to count on the dog. So so you know if it's plus when it hits plus twenty five percent for conversation's sake, the yep. computer goes, "Hey, Pete's Kia is at its electronic limit of adjustment." I've got to tell Pete that it's working too hard to maintain fuel mixture and a balance. Turns on the check engine light and sets a fault code. 25 percent, okay. right? Right. So if we had a scan tool and we looked at it and we saw twenty five percent on bank one and twenty two percent on bank two, it's not going to set a fault for bank two, is it? No, because it, yeah. it's, it's got three percent to go. But if if normal accepted industry balanced air fuel mixture by trim numbers is uh, zero to ten percent plus or minus. Eh, bank two sounds like it's a little cockeyed also, right? Right. So here's where we need a scan tool, because I can't tell you to chase bank one, bank two, both one, neither. Um, you know, this yep. could be anything from a restriction on the air intake side to low fuel pressure to a vacuum leak on a particular manifold side to, you know, a, a weak. Lots of things. Lots, yeah. of, lots of things. Lots of yeah. things. Yep. Uh, you know, so you did the right first step. You you scanned it, okay? Um, and that that's the first step, looking at codes. But now we got to go and look at the rest of it. Now, I you, you know you've 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 told me that your head hurts and you've got a headache. Now you've got to get me heart rate, blood pressure, and the rest of the information. And then we could have the rest of the conversation. 
Okay. All right. That's what I'll do then. So, yep. but that's that's where you want to go. You want to find the somebody. Fuel trim then. Yep. Yeah, and, and and listen, I don't want I don't I don't want to take it to somebody and and you know they look up fuel tr- or they look up the code P twenty one eighty seven and the first thing on the chart is this could be caused by a and the first thing on the list is an oxygen sensor. Pete, right. you need an oxygen sensor. Yeah, no, that's not what we're talking about. All right. The first thing you need is a diagnosis. Right. All right. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. So hang in there, kiddo. All right. And uh, do. yeah, no, uh, no, uh, you know, no head gaskets yet. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's, let's not yeah. panic. All right. All right. Think okay. of the, think of the Marines, brother. All right. You take All good right. care and have a good rest of the weekend. You too. Take care. Bye bye. I'm Ron and Annie, the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Little GTO, you really looking fine. Three deuces and a four speed. Need advice on how to maintain that classic GTO? Ron is the guy. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. By the way, next week, next week, let me look at the Grinch. Let me see what he looks like. Yep, Tom says next week that we're going to be giving away copies of uh, OBD, OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy by one of our favorite authors, Steve Cook. Uh, from, I think, Cincinnati. Um, we've got a couple of copies of that. We'll be handing it out from the prize closet. And uh, Tom will check us, find out where Steve is from. But I, Stephen Cook, uh, you've been trying to find them up on Amazon. We, we were able to pry a couple of copies out of Steve's hand, and uh, we'll be sending those out. So uh, you can call in next week, um, and uh, you have to get past Tom and make Tom smile. Anybody that can make Tom smile next week, uh, they're in the running for a book. So if they can do that, then, uh, you know, that's all possible. So let's get on over and talk to, let's, let's go talk to Steve in New Hampshire. Steve in New Hampshire, sir, 04 Chevy Tahoe. How can I help? Yes, Ron. Yes, sir. Good afternoon. Yes, sir. Good afternoon to you. Uh, <clears throat> excellent. Um, took uh, my Chevy Tahoe off offline for about four months earlier this summer. Replaced the uh, front diff, um, both axles, hubs, the whole kit and caboodle while I was in there. Okay. And recently, uh, recent as last week, I got the opportunity to you know test out the four wheel drive. It's running great. I put a used uh, differential in that I got from the uh, junkyard. And a uh, question for you, though, is I don't remember this happening on the previous differential, uh, but this uh, system seems to have a mind of its own. It will shift from two-wheel high into four-wheel um, high or four-wheel low. Any ideas? Um, dumb question. How do you know? And I'm, I know the answer you're going to give me, but I want to hear you say it. How do you know? Um, there's a um, four-wheel drive switch up by the left side of the vent. And you're seeing the lights um, change. Exactly. Okay. Now, do you feel the truck change as far as um, like, like a shutter? Like there's a, like all of a sudden you're driving along at 40 in, in, in two-wheel drive, and all of a sudden it, it slams into uh, four-wheel drive? Is, is there, is, isn't it a it change? Or, or are you just sure. seeing the lights um, on the dash? It doesn't do it when, when I'm driving at 40, 50, or highway speed. It will do it uh, when I leave the office, uh, start the vehicle up, put it from uh, park into drive, and I'll look down the other day, and I'm like, I was actually driving around the city of Nashua, just you know, running a few errands, and I'm like, this feels like it's in four-wheel drive. Okay. Sure enough, I look down, and the uh, auto four-wheel drive light is on. I don't know if this system is that intelligent. Uh, the technology was there for an 04, or we have a, a, or this thing has a mind of its own. Now, the, the, the differential that you replaced it with, you verified numbers, models the same, 
same yes. same generation. And if I recall, yep. in 04, there are no. Is there an actuator in the front of this differential or not? I believe there is. Yes. And you swap you swap the differential, or you pulled the differential. You, I'm sorry, you you swap the actuator. You used your actuator or the actuator that was in the axle. Uh, the actuator that was in the axle. Do you still have the old one? I do. I save everything. I'm like a pack rat. Oh, that's okay. I kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of like that myself. Um, and they look the same. Your harness plugged in, no issues. Yep. Okay. Yep. So the first thing you really need to do is scan it for codes, and not with an OBD2 scanner. Here's here's a case where you need to use year make model. Here's a perfect example of why an yep. OBD2 scanner won't work because. Okay. Is 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 a vehicle going into four-wheel drive? I'm going to let you answer the question. Is a vehicle going into four-wheel drive likely going to affect federal emission levels? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. So, therefore, oh. under yeah. the law, it's not required to be made available under OBD2 scan capability. So here's a case where okay. you need year-make model to go in. You know, do we have anything in the way of a transfer case encoder motor? You know, could this be a coincidence? Mm-hmm. Could this be yeah. something just totally unrelated to the front differential replacement, or do we have a fault with the actuator that's in the front differential that you swapped over? Sure. You know, if the yeah. actuators are the um, same, you know, and you want to and you want to try the sh- you you want to try and take the shortcut, it's easy enough to swap swap your actuator in. You know, your actuator worked. I'm guessing that Bingo. you know you probably spun one of the carrier bearings in the front of the di- your old differential and it was noisy right was oh yeah. yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah. They, the the steel the steel cup bearings um uh tend to spin in the aluminum housing just as an aside before the clock takes me real quick is um just be aware uh uh Steve that you can um there's a product out there from Luke uh I can't think of their name but it's called Hub Oil I'm going to get the name and I'm gonna, I'm going to talk about it on here it's called Hub Oil um, uh, and we put it in the um, we put it in those aluminum older GM diffs, and it tends to give a better heat shear strength to the fluid and protects the differentials more. I'll talk about it in the next half hour. I'll go look it up online when I get a chance to a computer. But uh, you might want to add that to it too for further protection. I'm Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Ronnie, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's go over to Joe in Manchester, Connecticut, 06 Ford Escape. Joe, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, how you doing? Good, sir. Uh, I have a 2006 uh, Ford Escape. Okay. And the, pro- the problem is, uh, I think it's in the alarm system somewhere. If I leave the car locked, uh, the alarm goes off about every 20 minutes. And uh, and all the dome lights are, are coming on also. So what I did, I pulled all the dome lights out, and uh, I still have the same problem with it going off every 20 minutes. Okay. So I'm wondering if it's somewhere in the alarm system. I'm, I've been thinking about pulling the fuse out for that. Well, let's but, let's let's do this. Okay. So within this vehicle. 
there is something called a gem module. And I know we could all sit there and say, gee, this car is such a gem, but, um, but it stands for generic electronic module. And a gem module on a Ford product is kind of like a body module on a lot of other cars. And the gem module does a lot of the body functions. They'll, they'll, they'll run information for locks and alarms and, you know, other body function requirements through this module. If, if your mechanic can get in there, all right, with his scan tool, and his scan tool can look at the gem module and a lot of the aftermarket or even obviously the Ford factory tool would do it, you could look at the gem module and look to see are there any fault codes. All right. This is probably being caused by a sticking or stuck door ajar or even a hood, if it has hood ajar, um, a hood ajar switch, all right, or a switch out of adjustment. All right. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. and, and the fact that the dome lights are coming on tells me it's, it's really a door ajar switch. So the question is which one, all right? Yeah. A, a, a gem module will tell us a couple of things. If we do a scan of that, it'll tell us, you know, maybe there's a code pointing towards a left front, right front, left rear, etc. door. It will also tell us there's also going to be a line of information in there called alarm event data. And it will tell us, um, because it tracks every, the, the GEM module tracks every alarm event. And if the scan tool can look at that GEM module, it'll tell you which door switch caused the alarm to go off. You know, do you have, a, do you have an alarm system on your house, Joe? Yes, I do. And you know how when the alarm goes off, you call up the alarm company, and the, the guy will come out, and he'll access the button panel, and he'll say, hey, Joe, the, uh, the, the master bedroom upstairs window, the, the, the switch is sticky, right, okay. or, or, the, or the switch goes bad. The gem module does the exact same thing, and it'll, it'll oh. track that. And it'll, it'll tell it, hey, this is where we got to go. Now, in the event that for some reason there's no codes, or you can't get into the gem module, or the gem module doesn't provide any information. Um, the fact that the dome lights go on tells me that it's 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 body or rear hatch, you know, the rear gate related um, yes. uh, switch. So you could try, you know, the alarm goes off, go out, lean on a door, you know, just give a door, put your weight against the door. Um, and see, the, does the dome light start to go out? Because you may have delayed lighting where it doesn't go out right away. It's not that the car is broken. The car thinks a door is, is, is trying to, is, has tried to become open. And pushing on the door may at least turn off the door ajar, or the light, rather, the dome light. It won't necessarily turn off the alarm right away, but at least it tells you, hey, you know, I pushed in on the right rear door. The dome light went out. You know what? I've got to get a right rear door switch. Okay. All right. Okay. Where would a gem module be located on that? Uh, but I believe it's down driver's side underneath the dashboard in the left kick panel area. But oh, it's, okay. it's, 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 he's going to access it. They're going to access it through the OBD2 diagnostic port. All right. Yeah. You know, so if they can okay. get into the OBD2 diagnostic connector um, and they've got something that, you know, does your make model, not just OBD2 generic. Then you know scan data. Then you're 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 in like Flynn. You're all set. So oh great. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Ron. You're I really welcome, appreciate sir. the help. You're very welcome, sir. If you need more, we're right here for you. You take good care. Let's go to Terry in Michigan, and let's see what's going on here. Terry, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? 
Uh, hey, Ron. Yes, sir. Um, I appreciate uh, you taking my call. You're welcome. And um, I normally listen, listen to you on Sundays, even though you recorded um, on Sundays. But you know, I had a 2000 with Sabra. Okay. And 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 my heat start, started going out only a couple months ago. Right. And I back flushed my heater core. Right. I heard you say that also. Uh, I changed my thermostat. It's running 195 degrees, and then my actuator valve was kind of floating a little bit, so I kind of stuck a screwdriver in it and got it um, to the heat mode, but I'm still getting heat, and then it goes cold again. Okay. There's the heat, the cold. What, what, first, let me ask a couple questions. What? How do you know it's 195 degrees? Well, my my, I got I got a digital readout on my thermostat, and it reads one hundred ninety-five. Yes, you have a you have a digital readout on your what? on the thermostat. Yes, on, right on my car. Yes, on the temperature control. You mean on the uh, temperature gauge? Correct. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. So yes, sir. so, and if you touch the upper radiator hose when it reads one hundred ninety-five degrees, it's it's warm to the point of being uncomfortable to hold on to. Correct. And when you touch one of the heater hoses, at least one of the heater hoses feels as warm as the upper radiator hose? No. No, it's not as warm. That's why I back flush my heater core. Okay. Right. Is, is is either one of the heater hoses as warm as the radiator hose? No, that I have not checked, no. You know, because, I mean, listen, it's got to be it's got to be hot in and, and cooler out. So you might you might have your hand on the on the exit line versus you know versus the feed you might have your um, hand on the outlet not the inlet now but let's just talk past that a little bit so let's let's get to the point where okay the radiator hose the car is hot the heater hose is hot the the outlet's cooler and you're driving along you've got good heat your definition of good heat terry is gauged by what your hand in front of the heater that's no, no, it's not good heat. It's it's just warm. Okay. It is not good heat. Okay. okay. It will defrost. I'm in Michigan, right. so it will defrost by a windshield. However, it's not hot heat. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's okay. do me a so, favor. You know what I'm do you have a do you, yes. do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you? Uh, about twenty miles down the road. You know, or jump it, jump yes, jump yeah. it, jump in there. You can, or if 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 there's something closer. Pick up, you know, spend ten bucks. Pick up a, a, a an in dash temperature thermometer. I know the vent thing. I heard you say that. Yeah, I did that. Only I did not do that. Yeah, but I know, because but I, I know my heater is not hot. Right, so I but I just I, I well, and here's what. But here's why I want you to do that because I, I I hate to gauge myself by well I think it's cool or I think it's cool. I want to know how much it's dropping. You're saying you're saying it's never hot. How hot is not hot? Um, well, correct. I agree, correct. But right. it does go cold. I mean, cold as in the the air is actually like uh, cool, cool. But you it starts. It but goes, it starts warmer, right? It does get warm, but it does not get hot as 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 it would normally do. As of last year, it just started this this okay. year. But 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 here's so the, could it be the actuator valve? Is the actuator valve is that possible? The the, 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 the piece under the dashboard? Sure, absolutely. No, but, it's in the uh, it's in the glove box, right? My actuator valve is in the glove box. Okay, right. but but before we go there, kiddo, um, before we go there, 
let's because it'll help in diagnosis all right because you're telling me it goes cold actuator valves yes. you know temperature actuators don't really change position on their own if they do they're being driven there all right what i'm uh, what i'm concerned about is you know i need i need to get a better feel no pun intended for the temperature of this in terms of in terms of heat what's really going on temperature wise because what i'd like to know is when you're talking about and you if i if i'm hearing you right it starts out warm never great and then it goes cold and what i'm thinking about is do you have a seeping head gasket are you are you putting air into the system are you using any coolant are you seeing a variation in coolant level in either the radiator or the overflow bottle the next morning but before i take you there Go buy a thermometer. Call me back next week. Give me some actual numbers, and let's talk about I want to know how widespread of a temperature range we're talking about, and then we can continue this conversation. Get yourself out to a local O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Let's go over and talk to Renee in Houston. Renee, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hello. Yes, ma'am. I have a question for uh, for the guys on the radio. Okay. And I took my car in and had a wheel bearing replaced. Well, they replaced the wrong one. I what I really need now is a front end uh, change of rotors and the brakes. And I was just wondering how they would handle something like that. So the the question here becomes: When you took it into the shop, what did Tell me what happened. What transpired? You went up and you talked to the service writer at the counter? I had one of their mechanics drive with me, and there right. was a home. Right. And he thought it was coming from the rear, everything like that. Well, I get it, and they replaced the front one. And I drove it after I got it back, thinking it was all taken care of, and it wasn't. The homes and I, the manager or the assistant manager wrote me. I said, "Hear that, home? That's why I brought it in." So I didn't change it at all. Okay. So it's not like the front one was going out. Right. So, so, so did you? You know, did we? Did they go through? I would. I would expect they would. Did they go through? You know, hey, Renee's here. Her car's making this noise. The noise is from the front replace front wheel bearing. They gave you an estimate. And you signed it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know about the estimate, but they, I just, um, they gave me a rough estimate of what it costs for a front wheel bearing, which the rear wheel bearing, which is really the one that was going out, it costs less. So the front one was $380. Right. And then the back one was like $275. And what kind of car is but this? But I didn't name? need I didn't need the front one. Right. What what kind of car but is this? Now I it's a 2006 Chevy Malibu Max. Okay. 190,000 miles. Just broken in, kiddo. Um I know. It's yeah. good for 300,000. I yeah. like my car. Yeah, it's a great car. Um But it, I I I love it. But yeah. You know, what I really need now is I need to have the rotors and a front brake job because I said, yeah, you're going to need that. And I knew I needed that. But I was thinking of asking them, take it back to the same place and give them a chance to remedy their, Absolutely. their oops. Let me ask you this. Are they, say, your regular, are they your regular mechanics? Have you been there before? It was it was a new mechanic shop I went to. They had very good reviews, and they're always busy. So obviously people are using them. Right. And the manager was very nice, and he, he was like, you know, 
Oh, gee, sorry. You know, what do you say? They're not going to say, oh, yeah, we replaced the wrong part. And I get that, but I want them to take the labor from that job and the labor of the changing the rotors and the brakes, and I will pay for the parts as a remedy. Tell them that. You know, listen. It, and it, is, that, is that appropriate or is that... You know, because you know, they screwed up, and well, they're not going to sit there and say, "Hey, we screwed up." Well, you know? from what you're telling me, they changed they changed both wheel bearings, front and back, on one side. They changed the front one; it did not remedy it. The real problem was the rear one. And then they changed the rear one. So I got a free wheel bearing. I'll pay for the part, but I want you to apply the labor of that to the job of the of my brake job now that I need to get done. But here's and how change you, out the rotors. But here's how you have to position it to them. Okay. Okay. Is you want to tell them, listen, I'm looking for I'm looking for a repair shop. You guys have good reviews. I came here in good faith. You know what? Maybe there was some miscommunication, but I was clear that I had a noise from the car. That's what I wanted mm -hmm. fixed. If the miscommunication mm -hmm. occurred, it occurred because I feel like you guys misdiagnosed it. So how mm -hmm. about how about we do this? How about I'll pay for parts, you guys cover the labor, let's begin our relationship anew and I'll be mm -hmm. I'll be with you guys from this point mm -hmm. on. See how they handle that. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. See, See and I'm not that. only wanting to replace the labor of what it would cost to change out the rotors and the brakes, a brake drive. They said it was like three hundred and thirty dollars. Right. Well, I spent three hundred and eighty eight dollars on a job I didn't need. Right. You see? So, so you're, but I have the parts, so I get the benefit. But right. take the labor of that job and the labor of what it would cost to change out the, the rotors and the brakes, and then we'll all be happy with right. it. Right, and see what they do with that and then take it from there. Call us back. Let us know what happens. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car, Doctor. Uh, first of all, let's get a couple of pieces of maintenance done. Uh, bottom of the hour, I was talking to a gentleman about his four-wheel drive differential and hub oil. It was Lucas. I kept wanting to say Luke oil, but I knew it wasn't Luke oil. It was Lucas. Lucas hub oil. Uh, it's a very heavy, thick um, heat fighting uh, creates a very good solid film, very good for front differentials on those uh, uh, that generation GM product 0405 with the aluminum housing, the steel bearings. They always spin in the carrier, so uh, Lucas Hub Oil works really well. Uh, for Renee in Houston that we just spoke to, I think there was a little bit of confusion. I, 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 I have to apologize because I think she didn't realize she was calling the wrong radio show. Um, she was looking for a couple of guys. I knew who she was looking for, but it wasn't us, but I know we gave her solid information. Uh, just, you know, there's a classic example of, you know, what goes wrong? There was no communication, I think, there in the repair shop. Where was the noise from? Uh, you know, did she, get a, did she give approval to fix the front wheel bearing? And then did she give approval to fix the rear wheel bearing? Auto repair is a process. It's not something that's, get, that, that's just automatic that you can just, it can't have a life of its own, especially not when you're using a repair shop for what sounds like the first time. You know, it's it's just like going to a doctor. After a while, you go to a doctor, and the doctor starts giving you that, hmm, you know he's going to cut something off, but you're okay with it because he's done it before, all right? So you've got to equate that to the same part of the auto repair process. How many times have you been there? Have they cut things off that maybe you could have used or maybe you didn't need? Um, so you've got to ask yourself that question as well. So, Renee, if you happen to get a chance to listen to this, just go back and talk to them and see what happens. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. Till the next time, reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.